Hey, Discover family, good to see you this morning. Can we just get a hand clap to the team, to our worship team this morning? Done such a great time. Let me tell you, they work so hard. Um, and I wish I can sing like James, but yeah, you don't want to hear me sing today. Um, so this morning, for the ones who don't know me, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I'm part of the Paso team in this community. And it's so good to have you with us. If this is your first time, and this is your, if your family, well, welcome back another Sunday. And hopefully, you guys are enjoying this uh, this summerish slash weird uh, weather. You know that you wake up one day is cold, another day is hot. So yeah, it's just this is Cali, California, lovely, huh? Hey, so. Today, I want to continue the conversation that Pastor Steve started in the past two weeks. This is week three of Exiles. And um, we have gone through the, the letter of Ephesians. And I think there's a, a couple of things that we want to point out that I think that can be very relevant to our lives. They can help us develop new skills, understanding, wisdom, growth that we can actually grasp from this letter. And today, I got the privilege to finish Chapter 1. And you know, chapter 1, towards the end, there's an important thing happening. And this is beautiful prayer of Paul. See, that one of the things about prayer is that prayer reveals what is in your heart, really. If you want to know what is in your heart and your mind, just pay attention to what you're praying for. That is going to reveal the content of your heart. And, and the beautiful thing about this prayer of from Paul is that it reveals what he desires for this community as he writes this letter. See, this letter is a reminder of who they are. See, sometimes it's not what we remind us of who we are, not what we lack, not what we have, not what we want to have, not what we want to achieve, who we are. It's a very different thing. Living in a society and in a culture where we're so obsessed with the next, Sometimes we don't know who we are in the present. And Paul wants to make sure to remind them of who they are. It's a, it's a, it's a letter that is helped them, it's, it's trying to help them understand the next thing that they have to build. See, maybe you find yourself in this place in life where you have to, you're building the next thing, your new season, a new chapter in life. And God is trying to bring wisdom and insight this morning. See, this new thing for them what we call the church, will bring tension, will bring difficulties, violence, pressure, dilemmas, all kinds of stuff. See, to build a new thing for them was going to be complicated. We enjoy this, but for them it was a very different experience. See, this organic community that came about, that would represent the beauty and the mystery of Jesus. Paul is trying to help them understand and given a little perspective and clarity of what he desires for them as they build this new thing called the church. And let me tell you, I'm going to talk to you about the church. And some of us have mixed feelings about it. And let me tell you, I do too. I do. And I'm here as a pastor telling you, opening my heart, I do have a lot of questions about it. See, but this letter contains uh, theological and philosophical truths for this community that feels so dislocated from culture. They feel so dislocated from the culture, from the priorities and the things that the culture likes and loves. They feel so dislocated from that. And God is trying to build something new. If you have your Bibles, if you can go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. 
And I want to read it from, instead of going from up down, I want to go from down up, actually. I'm going to change it a little bit. In verse 22 and 23 says, says this. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him over, head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all, all things everywhere with himself. If you feel comfortable, I would love to pray this moment. God, we're so grateful that we get to do this, God. I don't know where everybody's going through this morning, but can you speak hope into our souls? Can you bring clarity into our minds? Can you bring perspective into our minds this morning? Help us connect our knowledge to our hearts. And that whatever we're going through, we can find maybe not answers, but maybe just comfort from you this morning. We ask you this in your beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen and amen. Hey, you know, one of the things that, that happens when you grow up as a Latino is that, is that you, you, you grew up with a culture where they bully you. That's so healthy. I know. I understand. But that's the way they show you love. They give you nicknames. You know, you grew up with, with, with all kinds of names. And the problem is that they call you by your deficiencies. If you're, you know, overweight, they, they, they point that out all the time. You know, in the... The good thing about growing up being bullied as a kid in, in, in my culture is that you grew up with thick skin. Very low self-esteem, but thick skin. I'll tell you that. You know, I have found, you know, benefits about that in my life now because it's very hard for me to get offended if I tell you the truth. It's very hard. Like, you know, growing up in high school, being bullied, now I don't feel offended by anything. But there is one thing that offends me, and I'll tell you this. It's... If you ever invite me to eat food, and the food contains more vegetables than anything else, I'm offended. I hate vegetables. And I know hate is a strong word, but it doesn't even begin to explain how I feel about vegetables. See, I, I'm a 30-year-old man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm a 30-year-old man that has a craving of a child. I crave sugar all the time. I, can, I have cakes in my... And it, I'm just like a kid. I, I dislike vegetables, friends. And, and this is the weird thing is that I have a weird relationship with them. Because I can eat them in certain things, but, but I'm not going to get out of my way to eat vegetables. Like, I'm not going to wake up in the morning and I was like, man, today I'm just craving something so good. Vegetables. <sighs> so good. You know, and, and I understand you don't have to tell me all the benefits and the statistics. And I know some of you guys are doctors and I appreciate you, but I, I know that. I know that. I, I, I understand that. And you might ask yourself, how do you make it all the way here? That's a great question. You can tell me later. But see, the interesting thing about this is that I have lived so long without eating vegetables consistently that I believe I can go on until the day I die. And you know that that's not true. You know that that's a lie. I know that's a lie. I need those nutrients because my body is feeling it already. I know. But I, I, I'm trying to believe this lie that I'll be okay without him. I can eat him here and there. You know, I don't, I don't need to eat, eat them consistently. But I understand this. I know that 
If I don't eat consistently, I know that the, the, the best version of my body and the healthiest version of my body, I will never actually be to live it if I don't eat vegetables consistently. I understand that. I understand if I don't eat vegetables, I won't be as healthy as I can be. I understand that. But sometimes it's just so hard to, to like them, you know. Which takes me to this conversation, if I'm honest, that I've been having for years and years with friends that have come to church and have walked away and they just no longer like to come and they just have observations and opinions about it. And I get it. You know, going to, to Bible school, a lot of my friends walk away from church. They don't see value in it no more. And I understand. I get it. They, they, they understand the benefits of being a part of this community, but, but they have arrived into a place where they say, I no longer need this in my life. I can, I can experience the fullness of God somewhere else on my own. I can experience the fullness, my potential, my capacity outside of this community. I, they have arrived to that place. And I understand. You know, this takes me, honestly, to ask many questions about the church. Not growing up in this space makes make me ask a lot of questions. Have we moved on out of the church? Have we evolved out of it? Are we over it? Is church more hurtful than helpful? Are we antiquated? Are we irrelevant? See, I'll be the first one to point out the brokenness and the mistakes and the healthiness of the church. I get it. I have no problem on pointing those things out, I'll tell you this. I know that sometimes I'm, I'm watching TV and some people, you know, giving some observations and opinions making me, ah, it's hard. It's very hard. I understand that and I get it. I, I don't want to dismiss this. But I keep asking the question, does the church matter? You know, it's so interesting because Paul points something out. He says that God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him over all things for the benefit of the church. See, he doesn't say for the benefit of us as individuals, but as a, as a collective community. See, he keeps going. He says, and the church is his body, his representation. See, Paul has a very different opinion about this. See, the church matters, friends, because when we come together, the purpose of God should be revealed through us. It's through the church that the fullness of God should be revealed to people. See, is this, this is the way that God reveals the purpose and his intentions for humanity. This is the way he makes himself known to the world and to humanity. And I know this Unity thing is more hard than, and more complicated than what we actually think. And I understand, look, we have lived in a, in a time, living in L.A. That, that I have seen with many friends. You know, that it's easier for us to, to go walk in the forest and have a sense of the sacred. I get it. I know it's easy to go send it. I know it's easier for us to to go in the mountains and take a walk over there, have this sense of the divine. It's so much easier to do that than being in proximity with people that are broken and messed up 
and have the sense of God. It's easier for me to go on a walk and have this sense of God than being in proximity with people that just fake it. They're, they're not honest. I know. Why is it? Why is it we have such a hard time connecting with each other? See, this narrative has permeated our culture where it is me and God by myself. I'm fine. I don't need no one else. But see, what we miss is that when God calls us to himself, he's calling us to each other too. That we, we have believed that the summit of the human experience, the summit of the spirituality is I can do this on my own. I don't need no one else. We have believed that I would arrive when I don't need the help of anyone. And that's just not true, friends. That's not what God desires for us. See, here in the United States, this means that I call the I got a culture. And I'm going to tell you what I got a culture means. You know, being in high school and coming from Mexico over here, I remember seeing people trying to do something, you know, lift a table or something. And I know, and I notice that they need help. And I go and offer myself, hey, do you need help? No, I got it. Uh, no, you don't. No, I got it, I got it. And I know that you have experienced the same thing. You've seen and been in proximity with people that they need help and lifting something or doing something. And they tell you, no, I got it. I'm fine. And you know that that's not true. See, that, this is our narrative as people in our culture. The I got it culture has become part of who we are. I don't need no one else's help. I'm intelligent enough. I have a degree. I have money in the bank. I have all these things. I don't need no one else's help. I got this. That we have missed the opportunity and the power and the beauty of being in community. See, Pastor Erwin McManus and even the Barna group have talked about the crisis of the human connection that exists in our, core, or in our current culture right now. That we have a problem connecting with each other. See, Paul lets us know that the way we can experience the fullness of who this creator is, the fullness of his joy, of his peace, of his faith, is when we come together as a community. That we haven't evolved out of it, but that we haven't evolved out of the power of coming together. That there's growth in this side of this whole conversation. That there's health in this side of the conversation. See, there's, you can grow in empathy. There's the answers that you need for your mental health. It's in this side of the conversation, being part of a community. See, the miracle that Jesus intended through his sacrifice is as much as our intimate relationship with God as it is our intimate relationship with each other. See, is there ever been a declaration and a delight of the significance and the sake of God for this new thing called the church? That as we build this movement, as we build this organic community, we can experience the fullness of who Jesus is, according to Paul. 
And this is, I believe this is the picture that he's trying to give us. Have you ever played scavenger, scavenger hunt? See, scavenger hunt in the level of college students. Um, we, we, we used to play it in, in L.A. And they would put a team of 10 people. And they will give you different clues and different, uh, that you had to take pictures with random people that was wearing, you know, like a red jacket. Or you have to take a picture with, I don't know, something random. So the, the whole point of the game is that the only way you can actually win is that everybody has to be in the picture. Now, friends, I'm very competitive. This is not good for me. Because you have different people in this group. You have people who have no drive. You have people, this is how bad it is for me. You have people that don't care. You have people that are just wandering around like they don't know what, the, what, what is going on with their lives. And I'm over here trying to achieve something. I'm trying to take a picture and you're over here walking around. See, and this is shaping my soul, I tell you this. As I'm trying to take a picture so I can win something, you know. But see, the only way this actually works is if all of us are in the same picture with the different drives, the different motivations, the different intentions. All of us have to be in the same picture for this to work. And I believe this is the narrative of what God is trying to build in us and the church. See, in John 17, there's a prayer from Jesus. And Jesus prays for unity. Notice, he doesn't pray for political power for us. He doesn't pray against the things that are a threat against our faith. He prays for unity. Not uniformity, unity. This, this is not a copy and paste, people. Unity. With the difference, we come together in unity. And that's how he says, and this is the way they will know that you're my disciple. Not by the power that you hold, not by the, the, the wealth that you have, but unity. This is what Jesus said. See, family, the church matters because in a society that suffers from isolation, the church should be and we could be the answer that displays hope and God's love and the, and the source of, of everything. He makes himself known through us. See, in verse 19 and 20, he says something very interesting. And he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. See, what, what Paul is saying, hey, friends, this is what I want. I don't want you just to know about this message. I want you to experience the power that this message brings. See, in a city that became at one point the epicenter of the Greeks and the Roman gods, Paul is trying to point something out. He's like, you can know a lot about this, but I want you to experience the power of this message. And I understand we can experience the power of this message, this message in different ways. But Paul points out two things that I want to make sure you and I understand. In verse 17, he says, Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge 
of God. See, Paul wants two things, insight and wisdom, both of them together. Do you notice that he's not just saying inside? Because when, when we have inside, when we see things that other people don't see, we weaponize this thing. We, we become elitists many times. So, so Paul is saying, I want you to have insight, but not just for the sake of having insight. I want you to have wisdom. I want you to, I want you to know what to do practically with this message. See, wisdom helps us apply this divine truth in the context of turns, twists, practical ability to act on what we know and what we believe. It's in a culture where we're so obsessed with information, with data, with statistics, with facts, where we lack so much wisdom. That's why you see intelligent people posting and tweeting dumb comments. That's the reality of it. See, intelligence is not everything. Wisdom is what we need. See, Paul is praying for this collected community to become a recipient of wisdom. And as we keep moving forward, I believe that this is what I have, I have come to understand this, friends. That for us to live the way God intended us to live, we don't need just the right answers. We need wisdom. We need wisdom to actually help us sustain what we have. And wisdom is not knowledge. It's not common sense. It's not street experiences. And God can use all that. See, but for years the church has told everyone how to live rightly but not wisely. You heard that? The combination? Yeah? Like that. The preacher thing. Riley, not wisely. See, because, this, thank you. See, because you know this. If you're driving in the street, it's not just about turning to wherever you're going. It's about turning in wisdom. Do I have to slow down? Do I have to look around if someone is coming? Do I have to wait until someone crosses the street? It's not just about turning you have to be aware of what's going on around you. This is what, what Paul desires for this collective movement, to have insight and wisdom. See, and in verse 18, he says this too. I pray that your hearts will be floated with the light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. See, Paul is saying, I, I want this wisdom. I want this power. I want this, I want this insight to make an impact in your, in your thinking, making decision aspect of you, which is your heart. I love how the Passion Translation puts it this way. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, will impart to you the riches of his spirit. Uh, let's go to, I'm sorry. Verse 18, I'm sorry. I pray the lie of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, floating you with lie until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. See, to illuminate your imagination, your imagination. That God can give you creativity. He can download innovation. That he can download strategy. 
and you can have wisdom with this. That the aspect of who you are can be impacted by this wisdom and this insight. See, because God doesn't want you just to have knowledge. He wants this passion to move from your head to your heart. See, as I close this, one of the things that I hate about myself is that every, I'm going to make a prayer, and I'm going to ask the team to come up, but every time that I, I'm going to make a purchase, I'm not the type of person who reads my contracts. Horrible. I don't read a contract, which means that I don't know my benefits with what I just bought. So I remember when I bought my, my first car, and I went to CarMax, and I paid for all these things, the service of the car for two years, and different things that if something happens to the car, you know, they would, you can bring it back, and they can fix it for you. And I completely forgot about that, friends. I don't know. And I watched so, I, I paid so much more money outside when I had the privilege to go back and take it to that place. And you might think, it's like, man, that's so dumb. I think the same, trust me. See, my lack of awareness of the benefits that I have over here took me to a place where I misspend money and my resources in something else. And what I want you to understand and what Paul desires from us as a community is that we can actually see the beauty and the benefit and the wealth and the riches that comes with coming together as a collective. That you and I don't miss the benefits that come because we're so focused on something else. I think many of us, we have missed it. And see, I love how Tony Evans puts it. Not living in communities like living in a poor life and we're sitting next to a pile of wealth that you just haven't right here. Um, a couple years ago, when we, my wife and I church plan, we met this guy, and I'm going to call him Robert. Robert had some thoughts on the church, and he, he was hurt by it. He grew up in a very complicated home with a lot of brokenness. He left and served our country. He came back with a lot of more brokenness. And his desperation, he found out that we were actually opening a church. And he came to us, you know. I met with him. Very interesting character, I tell you this. I love that guy, but very interesting character. And I remember that he was trying to make sense of life, trying to understand how to, what to do, what was next for him. The interesting thing about him is that he had a lot of brokenness in his family, but he had very strong political views. Not gonna get into it, what? But I remember that through his struggle in life, his marriage falling apart, we became his community. When he was fighting for his daughter's custody, I was there with him. He found community with us. And I remember that he was a very generous man. He was dealing with a lot, I understand. He would just 
tell you one story. I remember it was because of him that we found one of our locations where we were able to meet. But it was in a place where we had a bar in the back. So he would come to service and randomly he would disappear. He would end up in the bar. I love that guy. But he was going through a lot. And through his very strong political views, he, he was the type of person that if he would let you know what he believed. If you were wrong, you were wrong, he would tell you. So people were intimidated to be around him some, many times. But he found community with us. The funny thing about this is that God surrounded with a community that was challenging his political views. And I remember one day almost crying. We were in a, in a truck. And he told me, Antonio, I don't know what's going on. I know that I believe this and I know that I'm invested in this and I know that this is what I stand for, but I'm in proximity with people that's, that are challenging what I believe. And this is kind of my community. I don't know what's going on. And I smiled because I was like this, you are in the right place, my friend. You are in the right place. Because even though you don't, you, don't, you don't line up with a lot of things, you find in hope, community, and a place that is wealth and the richer than what you believe. This is the beauty and the wealth and the riches that we find when we come together, friends. My prayer today is that you don't miss it. That as you're building your new thing, your new season, your new chapter in life, that you can actually see beauty and power in this, what we call the church. So as we close, can I ask you to stand up this morning? And we want to close up with communion. This moment to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. You have access to these little cups right here. If you don't have one. We just want to take a moment. As we worship. As we sing. Let this embrace you. Let this infuse life in you. Let this infuse hope and joy in you. Let yourself go. And allow yourself being embraced by this community because it's through this community that you can experience the fullness of the creator 